Paramedic 61, District 6. Stage 1 shooting. Skimmer Wayne, near Lakeland, Charles, 478 Tango. 378-1654. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Ceballero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, it's about that time of the week, everyone, to go Inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Ceballero. Again, thanks for joining us. Let's go ahead and get him right in here. Our co-host, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, how are you doing today, sir? I am capital, brother. I'm, I'm doing just fine. You know, first day of spring, we got it last weekend. How's spring going down there in, in the great state of Louisiana? It's your it's your typical spring. It's uh, about two days of uh, sunshine and about five days of rain and, and dreary weather, and, and that's the pattern we're holding with right now. So uh, I got a lot of stuff I got to do outside, man, and I just can't get it done. Do you do a lot of outside work, like planning and stuff? or My girlfriend does all the, the planning and stuff. She's got the green thumb. I'm just the grunt that mows and moves heavy things and that sort of thing. But I, I kind of like to get out and turn some ammunition into smoke and noise. And it just, it's not easy to do when it's raining all the time. Yeah, it is. You know, but remember, uh, May showers bring May, or... Uh, April showers. Of course, bring, whatever showers. the heck it is. Thank you for doing all right. I'm not going to be corny anymore. Let's but, just go ahead and talk about... We're in March, brother. This is when you say the in like a lion out. Oh, like whatever the heck it is. I don't care, man. Let's go ahead and do the news, man. What do you got? We got a we got a couple of headlines. One one is a 24 year old female firefighter in Carbon County, Pennsylvania, was found deceased in her vehicle. She is with Harwood Fire Company. Her name is Chelsea Michalesco. Details are still uh, ongoing. They don't know the cause of death. We hope that Chelsea didn't take her own life, but um, uh, we certainly send out our our condolences and prayers to her family and the members of her fire company, and and we hope that. PTSD and depression didn't take another life of one of our colleagues. I uh, certainly hope that isn't the case, but if it it has affected others, um, Ada County paramedics in Ada County, Idaho, lost two paramedics to suicide within the last six months, and their public information officer, marketing director, is, is uh, has an article on EMS One about you know how 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 to under how can I understand what they're going through, and and the message I'd send is is no one can really understand like your peers, and we we need to be there for each other. There's nothing that will work as well as active peer support uh, and and letting the person sitting 18 inches away from you know that you got their back. Reach out to each other, guys, and, and, and if one of your colleagues, if they say they're okay, but they're obviously not, don't let it go. Be there for them and do whatever you can and, and send the message that, you know, if they say, no, I'm not okay, then nothing's going to change in the way we look at you. So we, we've got to destigmatize depression and PTSD and mental illness and, and, uh, in EMS and get our, our colleagues the help that they need when they need it. Yeah, we've talked about this quite a bit, and and I don't I don't really need to add anything to it because I echo your sentiments, and you know hopefully things uh, don't work out to be that uh, again as you mentioned it's uh, someone who uh, just couldn't uh, you know take the things that were going on around them, but you know we we've promised that this year was going to be a year that we bring more more awareness to this this situation, and and I'm with you, but let's go ahead and jump to the next story. What you got? So we go down there to uh, Texas. 
and uh, ER patient arrested after a high-speed chase and a stolen ambulance. This is the second time an ambulance was stolen down there in Texas. In Fort Worth, Texas, one was taken a couple weeks ago, and now Kaufman, Texas, an ambulance was stolen from Texas Health Presbyterian Hospital in Kaufman. You know, and one of my biggest pet peeves is, is a, as a leader, I always go by and I always lift the handles of the ambulances just to make sure they're locked. And, and mm-hmm. you're starting to see more and more that our ambulances are being taken because they're running, because they're left open. And uh, we're starting to see this more and more, Kelly. And we have to be able to do our due diligence to ensure that we go ahead and lock our ambulances. I don't know if you remember, and maybe if you do, you can help me refresh because I'm a little bit vague on it. There was a call a couple years ago somewhere in the United States where uh, a crew left a bag on scene. And after they left, the patient got into the bag took some of the medication that was in there there was an adverse effect and again i can't remember if it was uh, if the patient died because of it but they held the paramedics and the company responsible for mm. leaving that bag on scene a- and now you're leaving the the, the whole the, the keys to the whole ambulance are running mm-hmm. keys are in it everything's open and they're stealing these ambulances um, this could be a really bad thing not just for the people yeah. who think they can turn the lights on and drive through every single light but now there's a lot of uh, medication that's in that ambulance that can cause some really big harm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's a simple problem to solve. And, and I'll, ad- I, I'll admit fault as well. I, I don't, you know, I haven't always been the most diligent about locking up my vehicle when I got out of it. I live in the sticks. I know everyone on, on either side of me. Uh, I, I don't habitually lock up my truck. Um, and uh, I, I see people coming from from quite a long ways away when they approach my house so uh, I haven't been the best at it and it's it's a habit I'm having to, to remind myself to practice when I'm when I'm in the ambulance um, but uh, you know <laughs> you only it only takes so many of your your uh, uh, so many news stories of ambulances stolen to remind you that it could happen to you as well um, kind of gives a new meaning to to the phrase drive it like you stole it uh, <laughs> that's right <laughs> but you know in this case it's not repl- it's not applying to the partner who's who's got me hanging on to the jesus handle uh on every turn that's right um it's it's some guy who's who's out joyriding in our ambulances uh simple simple thing to do lock the ambulance when you get out now i wish uh Maybe this will be the impetus uh, for uh, more agencies to do, like you know, keyless uh, keyless locking system, so you can you know get out and disengage, uh, uh, you know, lock your vehicle, but keep it running uh, when you're out of it, and, and it doesn't. It's not a, uh, a problem getting back into it. And it's not a, a, an additional hassle. I think the easier manufacturers, coach manufacturers, make it for us to lock a vehicle, leave it running, and get back into it quickly, uh, the less these things will happen. Yeah, I agree. But what do we got next? We got uh, we got something that might be uh, near and dear to your heart. This well, is, let me hear this it. This is an Idaho law, Moscow, Idaho. Um, they're they're got a bill before the legislature that will allow under House Bill 153, which has passed the Senate, uh, if it'll pass the rest of the uh the uh, pass the house. Um, it will allow Mosca- uh, uh, or it will allow EMS providers in Idaho to bill uh, without transport to hospital destinations. So you can you can treat and release. You can treat on scene. You can you can potentially transport to non ER destinations um, if this bill passes. Uh, and that 
they look at that that it may empower uh, uh, and incentivize uh, community health uh, or community paramedicine and mobile integrated health care. So um, no mention in the article or whether it will actually, uh, whether that's going to apply to, uh, to um, uh, CMS, you know, and Medicare reimbursement, which is the lion's share of our uh, of, uh, reimbursement in EMS. But uh, at the very least, here's one state who is, who is uh, trying to uh, move things forward and, and make, uh, community paramedics, uh, make community paramedicine a viable uh, alternative. Yeah, and, and we're starting to see more, and I, I could talk a little bit about it, uh, having, been, uh, having been involved with this on a national level as well. There's only a couple states right now, so Minnesota is doing uh, billing. You know, mm-hmm. you mentioned, uh, is CMS, a, 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 you know, is this billing CMS? This is probably just billing the state Medicaid yeah. services. I know that Missouri, there's a bill that's going around right now as we speak, and uh, maybe it gets past this session, hopefully, which will give us those same opportunities. At the very least, it should probably, uh, you know, if these pass, it, it, it may allow CMS, you know, kind of a de facto test bed to, to see how this would work on a, on a national level. Well, I can share this with you, that I went to Capitol Hill a, a couple months ago mm-hmm. and actually had the opportunity to sit with the chief of staff of the House Ways and Means Committee. And we discussed the ability to fund a code. There's a code that's out there that is for... Ambulance trans ambulance response treat no transport, and right now that code isn't funded. And we talked to them about changing the wording of that code around that would allow us to have a response and a treat no transport left on scene. Because um, right now we do treatment treat and transport on scene, we can't bill for that. So if we were able to get that funded, and now our community paramedics are able to bill under that code. Uh, and they're not opposed to that. So we're actually writing a bill right now to try to get that introduced to make that happen. So when we think about, you know, the the things that are going on in the truck, this is some national things that are going on yeah. behind the scenes now that we're trying to get some funding for community paramedicine. And I'm very, very optimistic from what I've seen. Uh, we've already got two, Sen- uh, two congressmen who are going to uh, uh, sponsor and co-sponsor the bill once it's done. And, uh, you know, I think the eventuality is going to be we're going to start seeing, whether from the state level or hopefully from the federal level, uh, reimbursement for community paramedics uh, doing their things in the house. Yeah. Uh, the momentum looks like it is building, and, and maybe we may see it spread, catch fire and spread nationwide soon. And, and uh, that, that has the potential to really transform the face of EMS. My girlfriend and I were talking whether I needed to, in the in the near future, go to the dark side and, and get into nursing, <laughs> or or just stick with uh, stick with EMS and, and go to community paramedicine. Um, in the you know inevitable uh, instance where where it comes to uh, to my service area, so something I'm pondering right now. I don't know what I'll do. Yeah, and I think that the opportunities now, though, Kelly, is that you know folks like you who are experienced as a paramedic. You know, certainly you have the opportunity now to use that experience in a primary yeah. care yeah. Uh, arena. You know, working as a nurse, does that give you benefit for the community paramedicine uh, field? I could tell you that we were looking at the thought of hiring PAs. And, and when we think about community paramedicine, it really isn't just about the paramedic. When you yeah, think about the paradigm, you know, the continuum of care, you can have all disciplines that are involved yeah, in this. It's mobile, unscheduled healthcare. Exactly. You're exactly right. Let's go ahead and hit one more news story before we get going. And I, and I love what this story. 
I, I'm going to go all the way to London, England. I'm sure you've read this one. Where a medic, <laughs> yeah, where a medic left patients to go shopping and to get a haircut. Now, this just didn't happen one time. This paramedic is accused of leaving the patient in an ambulance twice while he went shopping and got his haircut and was found guilty of misconduct. And, oh, and wacky, wacky Brits. You know, but <laughs> I, I don't get it. I mean. Are you are you kidding me? I mean, th- this really, you know, we talk about some of the things of, of you know, we, we've we've been hard on the Glendare, Arizona, uh, you know, firefighters for the the episode down there, and and we poke fun, and, and we always kind of uh, are very very hard on the folks at DC Fire. But I got to tell you, this is probably one of the worst things I have ever seen in my yeah. thirty year career. <laughs> yeah, this is this is pretty bad. This this eclipses the. Uh, the uh, paramedic uh, shrimp incident uh, of a, a couple of years back. There was London Ambulance Service was uh, was working a cardiac arrest uh, a, a few years back, and, and one of the paramedics working the arrest took a, a prawn, a shrimp from from a plate, and placed it on the patient's chest or head or something, clowning around while they were were doing the resuscitation. But I'm, dude, I'm no, I've 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 done a lot of things uh, on an ambulance. You know, I've I've had to uh, with with uh, certain types of emergencies, uh, personal emergencies, stop and and get out and, and use the bathroom. Uh, luckily, there weren't uh, emergency patients, and the patient understood my my dilemma. Uh, learned not to eat Taco Bell on duty. But I've never stopped and gone shopping and and gotten a haircut. <laughs> No, I know, man. Dude, you know, so. this is this this ranks right on up there in in the upper echelons of EMTs behaving badly. You, you really can't justify that. Uh, I, reading the article, this just sounds like a medic whose give a crap level is is at an all time low, uh, and he didn't care about consequences anymore. And he got them. He he got his consequences. He uh, he resigned from the ambulance service <laughs> you know is he didn't even attend his hearing so uh, that tells you how seriously right. he took it. no uh, but even but even if you look at it march 9th yeah the, the, there was an 85 year old male who collapsed with severe blood poisoning uh-huh. patient waited in the ambulance for 20 minutes yeah. while this gentleman returned from markets and spencers uh, marks yeah. and spencers i guess that's a store yeah. i guess carrying two shopping bags well yeah this was this this happened in march 9th 2013 so he had resigned immediately after that, and I think the hearing was the hearing was to for his reinstatement. Oh, but uh, resigned in 2013, and he wanted to wanted to uh, come back, and they they held a hearing, and he didn't even attend his hearing. So interesting. You know, in, early in my career as a paramedic, I worked with a uh, with an EMT who whose uh, personal give a crap meter was was barely off the peg, and he had the the last weekend he worked. Um, he refused every single ambulance call we got. Can and you I, do that? Yes, he did it. Well, I mean, and, and left me with, you know, what am I going to do? I can't run a call by myself. Sure. The phone, the phone at the station would ring, and he'd say, "We got what? What? Yeah, f you," <laughs> and hang up the phone. And it went on for seventy-two wow. hours. They couldn't get him in to replace him. Uh, the owner of the company called me up and said, "Yeah, you, you got to do something about that boy. You know, you got to get him in the truck." And I said, "What am I going to do?" Kick his butt and throw him in the truck. He doesn't want to go. Get me a partner that'll run a call, and and they left Craziness. him all weekend. <laughs> and, I can't believe our, just you know. He literally <laughs> did. He was like you know what you know syncopal episode. Screw that. Somebody else will take it. <laughs> Hang up the phone. Crazy. And this was twenty years ago. Um, but uh, 
so I can see, you know, uh, it's it's not. Uh, I can kind of read between the lines here, and this guy didn't much care about his job anymore. It's uh, I don't know how how hardly he was, you know, how how overworked he was. London Ambulance Service has the you know reputation of being the busiest ambulance right. service in the world. You know, they and the, they the biggest with stress, biggest with stress yeah. on their employees yeah. as well. And they, you know, they they literally transport. They run thousands of calls a day and transport thousands of people a day just at London Ambulance Service, not in the rest of the UK. So who knows? Maybe it got to him, but... Uh, <laughs> it's crazy, man. You know, I dude, mean, it's, it's good that these well, things happen because yeah. we have nothing fun to talk about. Yeah, if you, uh, if, if you want to uh, maintain a rewarding career in EMS, it'd be a good idea not to go shopping while you have a patient on board. And, That's right. Or at least take them with you. You know, uh, and if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna go get your haircut with a patient on board, at least bring them in with you. Maybe they can get a mani pedi and and uh, be like a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's 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 have a day out. <laughs> well, let's yeah, go ahead and take know. that. Let's go yeah, ahead and take yeah, that yeah, let's, chuckle. Let's and, segue on into our clinical issue with that. Yeah, one. it's about that time. So, uh, Kelly, you know, one of the things we try to do is we try to look at topics that are going to give us the opportunity to really, you know, kind of get some buzz going and. Actually, this topic comes from uh, EMS One already. There's buzz going on about it already. Kind of discussed it a little bit uh, that this would be our clinical issue, and I'll, I'll give you the opportunity to go ahead and set it up, and uh, we'll get to talking about it. EMS One posted a, a Facebook poll asking what their readers thought about texting 911. Would it be? What do you think a, a system that allowed you to text in 911 calls and receive texts from the 911 system? How would that work? And and you you get the predictable or variety of responses. You know, everyone is saying, you know, going to text, you know, penis pictures to the to 911, or uh, and people who are scared of of HIPAA and and probably un, unrightfully so, and some people who think it would be a wonderful thing. What it stems from is next generation 911. You know, you have, you're probably familiar with your traditional 911 systems and then E911, which has, you know, pretty extensive databases of, of call information and, and address information. And it will, in next generation 911, it's going to be a scalable system that allows 911 to keep up with current changes in communication technology. It's going to allow uh, a PSAP to transfer not just calls, not just hand off a call on traditional phone lines, but also to hand off data, including voice, photos, text messages, videos, the whole nine thing, right. through the 911 PSAP system, which really... That's got some, some some pretty significant potential to to really uh, change how how nine one one is handled. I, yeah. I kind of kind of like the idea. Well, one of the things that you know, for, you mentioned PSAP. For the people that don't know what PSAP is, it stands for the Public Safety Answering Point. So when you pick up the phone and you dial nine one one, an operator will come on and board. Usually, it goes to the police department in bigger municipalities, and they mm-hmm. say, "What's your emergency? Police, fire, ambulance, whatever it is." And then that's the primary answering point. Then if you say, you know, I need an ambulance, they'll press a button to say, okay, hang on a second, I'll get you somebody. And they press a button, mm-hmm. and a lot of times that goes to a secondary PSAP or a secondary public safety answering point, and that's where they start the triage process. So, yeah. you know, Kelly, but I'm with you. When we talk about that now, if we start to get nurses involved in this process, can we use the video and use the, the call nurse process to diagnose people or, or kind of give them the nod, send a community paramedic over there instead of sending a 911 truck, or maybe even sending both, 
and if there's no emergency, put the 911 truck back in a service, and then now move the, uh, you know, we were just talking about it in, in, the, in the news, where uh, people are going to be able to, uh, you know, transport to other than the EDs. This is just open a whole possibility of new mm-hmm. ways that we're going to be able to get our job yeah you know and and i can i can see i can see the utility of it uh, obviously there there would be growing pains uh there there's probably a very high potential for abuse but you know we also have the ability to to you know formulate protocols and policies and procedures that kind of limit the potential for abuse or at least screen out some of the cranks and really make it a usable service you think about this you know how often have you gotten dispatch information from a call and and basically you know it's the dispatcher equivalent of uh of uh riot in progress you know right. unknown medical please respond to the thermonuclear detonation <laughs> sort of exactly. thing you don't know what you're going to but man if a, if a call came up and they could transfer that to to the secondary piece app and and over your data terminal you have a bystander video of the crash wouldn't that be useful you know you already into that that mental mode on, on what kind of resources you need and and you know the the guy phoning it in and, and videoing it into the 911 center has no idea what it you needs. Know, you know he you know bystander looks at the car and goes oh my god that's a bad wreck you know a, a seasoned uh, uh, firefighter or, or paramedic looks at that and goes yeah that's not that bad at all it's crumple's own technology dude exactly and uh, then one of the things you have at that point too is then even the dispatcher can send that along to the to the hospital mm-hmm. level one trauma center even before we get on get on scene but yep. let me ask you this kelly because there were some really great comments of people who uh you know were giving you know as you mentioned some really crazy uh responses but there were some that were really legitimate what's your thought about this hippa thing because when i first read that i said you know i don't know that HIPAA is going to come into play here no. but but you know because we think about how calls are dispatched you know go ahead and go to 5323 main street and we know right there that there's a call on main street and mm-hmm. is there really a difference now if we start to ask uh, if they start to send pictures or if we start to use this text capability is it really going to violate hipaa I, I don't think so now uh, of course the the standard caveat i'm i'm not a lawyer nor do i play one on television but hipaa Typically, you know, they're first of all, they're they're like 19 uh, unique identifiers within the HIPAA privacy rule that 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 could potentially reveal uh, patient information. Um, but just something like, say, a shooting on the sidewalk or or uh, or a wreck on a public road, just video of that accident, even if you got someone's license plate number in there, is not a HIPAA violation under this under the same. It's not a violation of the patient's right to privacy uh, for the same reasons that videoing people in public is not a violation of the right to privacy because legally there is no expectation of privacy in a public venue. You know, videoing someone inside a private home, sending that out, eh, maybe so. That that you know that those are bugs to be worked out. But I don't really think that the HIPAA angle is is all that valid. Now it may you know we don't know any of the unforeseen consequences yet. We, we there may be issues that do come up that that uh, that HIPAA will uh, will apply. But I don't think so. In, in you know in vast majority of cases, I don't think that would be the uh, be an issue. Well, let me give you another scenario then, because this is really talking about the patient sending the message to the 911 center. Where do you stand on the dispatch center sending the call to the provider's phone via text? 
I don't think it would be that big of a deal uh, for us because uh, with uh, Acadian's dispatch system, I already get uh, my text via cell phone. Um, you know, uh, we're, my number is in our, our dispatch database, so when I sign on to the truck, all of my dispatch information that normally comes to uh, our CAD system also goes to our cellular phones as well. So there so, are people out there already doing it. Yeah, there are people already doing it. Now, the, the only difference is, is you know, it's coming from a, uh, our secondary piece app, Acadian's uh, actual uh, communication center. Um, what, what's, you know, how big a difference would it be to come from a primary piece app? Uh, you know, and, and go straight to there. The, um, you know, what I really see a potential with is is for the people who can't talk, oh, calling nine one one. You don't have you don't have to worry about TDD right, uh, right, services, right. Uh, or someone who's in a potential hostage situation or or that can't talk. Um, you know, and and people can say, well, you know, just just uh, open the phone, you know, turn on the phone and, and dial, and just don't say anything, and they can hear what's going on over the phone. Well, that gives your position away. If you've got a 911 operator on the other end going, sir, sir, do you have an emergency? Uh, it kind of lets them know where, uh, where you're hiding. You know, I, I've, I've talked with Nancy about what our plan would be in, a, in the event of a home invasion or a burglary or something if she's home. It's, you know, run to, run to the closet, lock, the, lock yourself in the closet with, with the phone and uh, a handgun, and, and uh, you stay on the line until someone opens that door and identifies themselves as a police officer. And if they don't identify themselves as a police officer, you shoot until slide lock. <laughs> but, right. you know, but in that's... Uh, but, but the flaw in that ointment is, is where we live, um, we don't, uh, our cellular service is very unreliable. But That's I a great point, man. That's a but great I can, point. I can text reliably. I can text anyone. But, you know, sending a tiny little piece of, uh, of data uh, in a data packet is, is a far easier thing than an actual telephone call. And I can make a, uh, I can make a text message with one bar, um, but I can't make a, a cell phone call with one bar. Um, you remember you remember just recently in the news uh, the dispatcher who was who was uh, publicly lauded for figuring out the nine one one call where the girl called and, and pretended to order a pizza. You remember that call? Yeah, I sure do. Yeah, you know, well, she could, you know, the, this could be the the same thing. Um, you know, rather than uh, the dispatcher having to do some some pretty pretty uh, intuitive. Uh, mental gymnastics, figuring out what's going on. Uh, she could simply be texting, uh, yeah, and um, and they could get the info that way, right? Or I, or turn on her her turn on her her uh, uh, cell phone's camera and 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 send that uh, send video via text of her attacker, and you know think of that. If yeah, she, without even having to talk. Yeah, without even having to talk. And if the police get there too late got video of the attacker right you know if they steal the even if they steal the cell phone you know if you've sent it uh via via text uh it's it's out there in the cloud now and they've got it on their servers they can you know it's a potential investigative tool as well yeah plus now you got pictures you can post them yeah i mean so oh yeah you know so i i I guess i'm all for this i think you know what's amazing is that uh, you and i have been doing this about 55 years respectively and you know, we're starting to see now some great transformations in our career field. It's a brave new world. It sure is, man. But I think we got a clinical issue here. <laughs> yes, I would do, uh, and and we'd like to hear what you think. So, do you think what are you the perils and pitfalls of text to nine one one or the the next generation nine one one? 
what can you think of? Is it a boon or is it a menace? Uh, email us at the show at ems1.com and give us your thoughts. And for myself and co-host Chris Civilero, I'm Kelly Grayson, and thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS.